You know what this, that sound is, Ben? The sound of summer. That's the sound of summer. Gonna make you come tonight. <laughs> Over to my house. It's all good. Um, that's a chart topper and a panty dropper. Straight from uh, Canada. That explains so much. Canadian boy band, yep. B44. Um, thanks, Ben, for uh, bringing that song to my attention. It's been the soundtrack of the summer so far for me. The sound of the summer, the sound of brothers. Yeah, <laughs> they I are brothers, right? Are brothers. That's yeah. probably what it stands for. Brothers B4 for life, for ever. Brothers for be brothers for yep. Something. something. Like anyway, uh, man, it's already July. Where where's time gone? Just into the uh, into the summertime ether, I guess. What what have you been up to, Ben? I'm googling B four four. Okay, hold on. All right, let's see. What Big Brother Four. Big no, Brother. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's no. That's up the probably Wikipedia the TV Big show. Brother Big Brother Four. B four four. B four four. Sorry. B four four. The song is called "If You Get Down on Me." If you get down on me, I'll get down on you. There's a bus line you. named B forty four. This is probably their only hit. What do you got? Anything? Sorry. I want to know. We'll have to table that, Ben. Oops, I'm not on your, your Wi-Fi yet. <coughs> yeah, that explains it. But speaking of that, uh, yeah, you have more updates. We're in your new house. That's right. Saying new house makes it sound like I own property, which I certainly do not. I currently live in the, the servants' quarters of a, of a much larger house. Uh, not really, it's carriage house, but it is pretty cool. Um, just chilling here with Roma, uh, after a little trip abroad myself, which, uh, I spent some time in Rome. Um, but the main event of the trip was Spain. I went to Spain for two weeks, hiked the Camino de Santiago trail, um, from, Asturias, Which Spain. Which means de Santiago. What does that mean? Way Camino. the way of Saint James. What? It, where does Santiago? I don't know. I think t- it's son is saint, saint, but t- t- maybe I think it. But like Tiago, I should mm. I should look into that because Santiago I think means Saint James. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But it's hard to see the the derivation there into English. Hmm. Yeah. There are lo- there's a lot more I could have learned about the history of the Camino de Santiago trail. I wasn't frankly 
all that interested in learning all the, you know, religious history of the path. So you didn't stop and read the plaques. I read some plaques. Like at the zoo. I read there there weren't many plaques. Like the plaques were just arrows pointing you down the trail where to go next. Hmm. Um it's you're you're essentially it's more that you're in it than you're uh learning about it as you go along. And that's kind of the way I preferred it. I just wanted to be immersed in the landscape, the culture, um, the food. You didn't want to learn like um, about the Confederate heroes who fought <laughs> at this very location. Confederate heroes. I'm just thinking of the only place I've lived with plaques. And oh, okay. Historic things sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much yeah. the the extent of it in America. Yeah, Mo- that's most of plaques. Um, but no, it is interesting because in Spain you do you can see some of that type of history as well. It's like. Uh, this is the castle where, um, you know, Frederick the Twelfth fought off the Moors, right? <laughs> Something like that, and de- def- defended the uh, the Spanish countryside against the the evil invading Moors. Or they something weren't all like good, that. for sure. Who the the Spanish? No, and their legacy. No, absolutely not. Of course, I mean, let's lest we forget, um, you know, the Spaniards were the ones who sent Christopher Columbus our way. That's right. Um, he himself was Italian, but, uh, he didn't care who was, who was giving him the the check as long as he was getting that, that bag. Yep. Mm -hmm. The gold, the doubloons, the doubloons, the bag of whatever else he, he hauled back with him. You know what I mean? Pelts. Pelts. Once again, panty, panties. (laughs) (laughs) Said panty, panties. You know, something like that. History's worst panty raid, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. What, what about you? What have you been up to this summer? Uh, nothing at all. Nothing at all. Just trying Come to stay on. cool. That's not true. Had to be something. little wee bit of camping. Still more ahead of us, hopefully. Little little couple trips into the mountains. Um, just trying to stay cool. Going to the pool. I'm on my bike a lot, which is cool. Road road to denver today yeah <clears throat> i i know every inch between of the southern the southern way the way of <laughs> the uh, way of ben <laughs> yeah yeah um it's not quite the same but it's, it's similar uh and uh yeah yeah that's about it cool cool um sticking with your job uh day by day day by day day by day Mm -hmm. who knows trying to hang in there you look dejected yeah but i i did go i rode into the our office today which is an optional office place so the company got really big really fast like around the time that i joined so i think 900 people in this boulder boulder startup and so they got this huge office in Denver. And I think there's somewhere between 200 and 400 desks on the eighth floor of this building. And there was me and two other people there. And it's very strange. And it, it really does feel like the future is extremely strange and murky. Because mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just, it's just uh, assets like... Money just sitting there, five hundred chairs, right? And they're all worth eighty bucks. Yeah, like, in a in a just sitting rent, there, waste, wasting away. 
business suite that's probably right million dollars a year right yeah exactly um yeah man you could do a really epic uh sort of social critique type instagram post with that sort of material take a picture of your empty office i'm working on it okay looking forward to it um well speaking of jobs i've decided to to leave behind um the teaching life no that's all the students (laughs) (laughs) no it's 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 more like um okay that's that's it's i just thought of the uh i i hate to reference pete davidson but one of the only funny things he did on snl was the stupid pool guy character he's like a he's like a dumb guy who cleans a pool and all this crazy shit keeps happening to him and just goes okay yeah yeah that's more the reaction that my students gave There, there are some kind kind reactions but for the most part they're still you're still becoming a i mean at that age 15 16 adults are are people but they're they're like alien people in a way you know they're still not at best yeah at best like they they perceive them as as living breathing humans but that's pretty much the extent of it and it's a a caricature of that so what i do with my life is is really none of their you know none of their concern which is totally fine yeah um and they wouldn't have had me next year anyway because they go on to the next grade so I, if I would have stayed, I would have just been teaching the kids who failed, which is like not a good, not a good situation. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm quitting teaching. Uh, I could say more about that, but I don't want to bring us down. It's not a, it's not a, um, you know, last straw sort of thing. Um, because the last straw occurred long ago. Uh, the, the resignation to the, um, to the, futility of of the public education and uh, american education system in general that that probably happened even when i was still teaching college you know i I didn't go into teaching high school with delusions about it being you know the real way to educate or the real way to make a difference as a teacher um i think i i learned you learn your lessons pretty quick and if, if you try to maintain that sort of romantic vision, you're not going to last very long. And I, I, you know, in the grand scheme of things, didn't last that long, you know, barely, barely eight years total, seven or eight years. Um, but it lasted longer than, you know, some. So, uh, and that, that's, that turnover rate is only getting higher with teachers now of days. Um, so, yeah, saying, saying goodbye to the classroom, at least for the foreseeable future. Um, and, um, uh, you know, going to take my chances. Uh, I'm, I just was at the gym today, um, working on my jump shot. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, walking on, did, there's this thing called a 10 day the nuggets. Yeah. There's this thing called a 10 day contract, um, <laughs> that, you know, if you were watching basketball during COVID, it was like every, uh, Every game, there would be a new player who came in on a 10-day contract. And a case, most of the time, they were like, you know, these are guys who played Division One, <laughs> who, like, you know, didn't get drafted or whatever and, and get a chance to play with the team. And, but every now and then, you see a guy in there who's like, that guy was like, I could, I could do that. You know, <laughs> like sort of a, um, 
Mark Wahlberg Invincible situation. Sort of a uh, Tony Danza. Yeah. Um, what was that movie? What was that movie? He was a garbage man for crying out loud. Right. And he was really good at no, kicking dude. the truck. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> that's a Disney movie, I think. Yeah. Disney Channel movie. Probably. Which was, uh, that's the, yeah, that's the Mark Wahl- Wahlberg uh, story as well. Invincible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that right there is the speech that you gave First to the principal and then verbatim to the whole teachers <laughs> yeah. conference or whatever. I have to follow my, I have to follow my dream. Yeah. Um and uh yeah, see you next year from the and, playoffs. And like uh Cortez, one of those Spaniards. Yeah. You're you burned your ships. I've burned my ships, yeah. That's that's a um a good metaphor, which you know, I got from a a kind of, um, you know, folksy freelance writer um, who I took a little workshop. He was more a traditional freelance writer going the sort of journalistic route. But I, lo- I went to a little workshop and he said, if you're if you're going to try to make a go at it as a uh, full time freelance writer, um, you have to burn your ships. That's the first thing C- Cortez did when he got to the new world. He probably did other far worse things <laughs> before burning his ships um, or immediately after. Uh, but the metaphor still stands that the, to, you, you need to eliminate any escape valve um, in order to have the, you know, the fire you need to, to do it, right? Because it takes 100% commitment. And if I have a check coming in from a teaching job or from a little adjunct work here and there, you know, that's that's the type of thing that keeps you uh, that. Well, it takes up too much energy for one to do the work that you are trying to do. So mm-hmm. I've buried the lead a little bit, which I recently learned. It's not spelled <coughs> L.E.A.D. It's L.E.D.E. Buried the lead. What? So a lead is a totally different. Is thing. it like a does it have to do with horses? It might. Huh. I'm sure. See, this is the type of thing you learn when um you decide you're going to be a freelance copywriter. Yeah. Um, because I wouldn't want to embarrass myself by submitting some, uh, oh you know, God. little little advertising copy that says, <laughs> don't bury the lead. Don't bury the lead. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's that's the plan. Um, I don't need to get into the whole business, business plan here because I don't have one. <laughs> um, but step one, burn your bridges, check. Burn bridges. Yeah, no, I, the, I took the advice wrong. I, I, I thought he meant, like, say fuck you to every p- previous employer, yeah. go out with middle fingers up. Refuse any, uh, all other paychecks. Yeah, yeah. Make sure you have no income. Make, Make sure, sure you, you have, have no money. <laughs> no money saved. <laughs> no money. No prospects coming in. Right. Um, yeah. So the trip to Spain to do the Camino. Which, which is, is in Europe. Yeah, it turns out it's in Europe. I didn't know that, actually. Um, turns out they invented Spanish, too. They did. Yeah, it's a, um, a pop quiz. Does Spanish derive from Latin or Greek? Latin. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's question. probably a little Greek, too. I, I don't know why I asked it. It's probably not that simple. But it is, a, yeah, it's a Latin Latinate language, sure. romantic one language. of the romance languages. Yeah. Um, 
went to Spain with next to no Spanish. Uh, and that proved to be more difficult than I expected. Um, but I decided to do this around the same time when I decided that I was quitting teaching. This would have been back in, I would say, April, maybe May, when I finally decided in my head. I didn't tell anybody until basically the end of the school year um, so that I could get as much, you know, as much of it a uh, applause and, and um, praise as I possibly could, right? I'm right on my way out the door. Right. Um, and uh, I figured it would be a good a good thing to do um, for fun, for one, and um, because I just wanted to travel and get out of the States and, you know, deal with fewer Americans for a little while. It's amazing. How many trucks did do. you see? Did you see any trucks? They don't, they look different there. They, no, they don't drive the same type of pickup trucks we do. They're, I mean, they're more like, they're more like, almost like, um, vans in a way they're smaller they're smaller they're narrower they're not nearly as big none so to answer your question none that's what i figured yeah um totally that that makes a huge difference you go from seeing you can't not you you know you you stumble out of your front door and you almost get hit by a truck we are in the middle of a giant giant automobile renaissance right now Uh uh-huh it is the thing to get a truck to get Bigger and bigger and bigger cars. Right. I believe this. You think that's increased even recently? I do even believe. What yes. do you, well, can you... Can, I mean, uh, yes, it's because we're in Colorado, mm-hmm. but I do believe yes. And you could go into the... Pontificate on that. What do you think that is? You know, yeah, social commentary, right. speculation. Perhaps it's just the increase in paranoia yeah. and people believing that they need to isolate and protect i think that's and, and build themselves into a little that's the core of it compound in yeah I, I think that explains a lot of but American it's also col- just for car culture lazy people yeah uh who's who <laughs> <laughs> yeah i won't say more but go go in yeah um no um that's all that's to answer all. your question i, I mean there's also trucks. yeah yeah go ahead go ahead go on no, go ahead. <laughs> okay. We'll come back to trucks if you want. Um, wanted to do this walk, you know. Wanted to do something challenging but exciting and fun and uh, have a chance to sort of... Roma. <laughs> <laughs> My dog is drink, <laughs> drinking beer Literally right now. drinking beer. What do you think, Rome? Paul's going to drink out of it. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. This is what my life has come to. Um yeah, I don't need to get into all the sentimental uh, motivations behind it, but you know what better way to process the last six or seven years of my life than to just walk twenty miles a day for for twelve day, days straight in the Spanish countryside, um, and to not really be able to talk to a lot of people that easily or ex- uh, immediately um you know that that was the whole idea i didn't i didn't have some everyone on the on the camino ends up kind of asking each other what why are you here what did you what did you come to the camino for um and you know not everybody has a big romantic answer in fact most probably don't but usually there's something 
right? It's, it's, um, uh, getting a divorce or a breakup or, um, quitting your job. Um, something along those lines, right? Why am I not surprised that nobody is there to actually go see the bones <laughs> of an old saint? Yeah, believe it or not, that's that's not super high on the priority list of that many of the of the pilgrims. Did you meet anyone who said that? There was nobody who was explicit about I'm doing this for religious reasons. I think there were some people who were, you know, Catholic um, nominally Catholic, maybe in a, in a European way. Mm. Um, and I think that for the Europeans in general, that's just, that's just more inherent in the act of doing the Camino. Like, especially with the Spanish, like you can't really separate like historical Catholic cultural tradition from like modern Spanish culture, Mm -hmm. even though they're just as secular, if not more so than we are it's considered a somewhat it's a rite of passage to do the camino for really? spanish people for the hmm. most part even if they don't necessarily always do the 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 full camino they'll do like a, the shortest possible route and that's totally fine it's still you still have to do 100 kilometers which will take you 5 or 6 days um but uh just for everyone listening 100 kilometers is about 1000 miles <laughs> Yep. So I walked approximately 25,000 miles. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it was uh, all told with my skipped days, which I had to skip a couple days, about 200K, um, which is like 125 miles, 130 miles, something, something like that. Um, yeah, it was it was really cool. I, I'm okay. Let me get into some specifics here. Or do you have any do you have any questions? Any any uh, applause or or praise you want to give me for doing this? <laughs> oh, was it hard? Yeah, it was really hard. My my shit really uh gave up gave out on me about six or seven days in. Um, it was uh, it was it was a lot more demanding than I than I realized it was going to be, and my my body was in in a lot of pain but you had to kind of get through it via it, it's you know it was an experiment or a experience that really reiterates the relationship between mind body and spirit mm-hmm. so you know li- little pains that you think are you know things that you would normally stop you from doing anything active would keep you on the couch for a week or whatever it may be when you're 15, 10 to 15 miles from your destination, and there's literally nothing else you can do. There ain't no Uber, no taxi cabs. You have to find a way to uh, not, not uh, push through the pain, but kind of um, coexist with it, you know, em- embrace it. Uh, and then that sort of changes it, transforms it. So while I was on the Camino, I, I didn't really have much to read other than one book that I'd already read before, which is a book by, uh, Joseph Campbell. Have I talked about him at all this on this pod? I'm not sure. A little bit, uh, book called the power of myth, um, which I felt like it was fitting, maybe a little on the nose to be reading on the Camino, but is essentially, you know, 
it's it's a series of interviews that kind of encapsulate all of his life's work. And Joseph Campbell was a scholar of mythology, essentially, and and world world mythology, and finding the common common threads and stories and narratives within them that human beings tell each other through centuries to make meaning out of our uh, perilous uh, lives. Um, and so it felt, it felt cool to be reading that as I was going and doing what is in my mind, like one of few, one of the very few remaining, um, sort of traditional, uh, things, rituals or rites, um, that hasn't been either commercialized or, uh, you know, just kind of like, um, transposed or memed into it something totally different um that there's something very uh very alive about it even though the religious aspect of it is diminished significantly um which i think speaks to the to the power of ritual that it isn't necessarily about the um you know the the single religious narrative that initially is uh, created but it's the kind of um, continued repetition by thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people who bring their own um, their own experiences and um, lives into that tradition you know or into that ritual and um and that is what kind of sustains and and uh, keeps that tradition alive in a way is like it being treated with some level of reverence. Uh, and naturally, I think it's something that requires some some level of reverence because you have to you can't just do it half 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 acidly, you know, half heartedly. Um, so I don't know. I, there are a lot of ways I could look at it. It's also just a ton of fun. It wasn't pious or serious or anything like that. It was mostly just walk during the day. Everybody is, um, you know, you help each other out if somebody's hurt or needs something or something like that. And there's a very, very generous spirit throughout the whole thing. And, but then when you get to the new place, you, you know, find your hostel, your albergue, and, you know, link up with a few other uh, pilgrims and go, uh, you go get drunk after that. Uh, you drink drink a cer- cerveza or two um, and eat a uh, a greasy sausage uh, or some octopus tentacles, something like that. All very appetizing things. Um, so let's see. What else happened on the Camino? Did you see any e-bikes on the trail? Nah, I think I saw maybe one or two little e-bike groups and I ranted about it to, to <laughs> my friend who was, who was walking with we both said the same thing we're like because you can ride right people ride the camino it's oh, okay but you, it's a longer requirement um you have to do i think 300k uh-huh. um and it's like did you really do the camino if you had an, a motor propelling you no as far <laughs> as i'm concerned no you no. didn't it um, just because your feet are moving doesn't mean it's not just a motorized yeah it's just vehicle. it's a motorized vehicle and, and at least there's you know some af- 
I was talking to somebody who's a fan of e-bikes, and of course there's the aspect that the, the, the pedaling is generating the electricity in the bike. Yeah. You know, at least part partially. Not completely, obviously, because that's a bike. Right. But there's at least that circular notion, notion of it. Um, but it completely defeats the whole purpose of a bicycle, let's be <laughs> honest, which is it's a self-sustaining, harmonious, perfect machine. It is. It is a perfect machine. It's a perfect machine. It's 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 the, where the history should have machine. stopped. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. But here we are. But here we are. Um so I had a couple like few stray thoughts. One was um I think it was the last episode where I we were clowning on the, the Stoics quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and then after that I was in a coffee shop and a guy was reading daily, the Daily Stoic or something like that. Roma. Off the couch, Roma. You're not allowed. <clears throat> uh-huh. And I, I completely busted myself trying to get a picture of the guy. <laughs> and in the picture, totally, I sent to you. Totally. He's looking straight into my camera. Oh, that guy totally knew you were taking a picture yeah. of him. Um, yeah, that that's... Uh, well, here's here's the thing. If you don't want people to look at you, don't have Bible studies. Don't have none of this... <laughs> Prayer circles, these, yeah, two overly intimate group discussions in in a, public spaces. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I hear. <laughs> I, I'm with you all the way, bro. Um, so I I have to offer a slight revision to my stoic uh, takedown. Okay, um, it's it's not much because I still didn't read any stoics or stoicism or anything like that. It's just that one of the people who I got to know very well on the Camino and it was arguably I think that one of the nicest coolest people I've ever met was a Dutch guy um named Tim um who we you know got to talking you know, oh, did you bring any books what are you reading do you bring anything with you on the on the Camino and he said first thing he was reading was um Siddhartha you know by Herman Esha which is you know a Buddhist thing um and and he said Okay, he either said Marcus Aurelius or Seneca. I think he said both. And I, I, I should try his accent. I'm going to butcher it. But um, so I was like, oh, he's, he's reading he's reading the Stoics. And he's like, yeah, I've read that. I've read Marcus Aurelius. And um, the thing I just remember him saying, I was like, oh, so do you, do you like that stuff? And he's like, it's very practical. <laughs> like that's what he just kept <laughs> saying over, over and over. It's very practical, um, which, yeah, I get. I could see that being part of the appeal to it. And at, le- yeah. at the very least, he was reading the source material. Yeah, right. As opposed to the daily Stoic or yeah. 10 rules from the Stoics. Yeah. Um, which no, are, there's uh, plenty of good stuff in Stoicism. And it is right. very, there is a lot of overlap with Buddhism and Zen. Sure. Right. Yeah, th- there is, but it's, there's less, there's less kind of, um, well, I haven't read the Stoics, I can't, so I can't say for sure. But I, I would, I would argue that Zen, Zen is more uh, inherently esoteric, um, and I don't mean that in a uh, patronizing way. I mean that it, there's actual, there's actual thought and uh, sort of theology there that intentionally confounds logic. You know, whereas Stoics are very logical in a way, at least uh, express them, say, say they're logical. Anyway, 
Um, so that was, uh, you know, had a humble, humble moment there where I had to give, give the benefit of the doubt that the Stoics were worth, were reading in some way. Um, this was on the way to, um, one of our stops in, in a, the biggest town on the Camino, which is, or at least on my route of the Camino called Lugo. Um, that night, rather than stay in the pilgrim hostel, I ended up going to a, just a regular hostel, which is not exclusive to people doing the Camino. Um, you know, and hostels are fine generally. Um, but everybody who's stayed in more than four or five of them probably has a story similar to the one I'm going to tell right now, which is essentially, and it was this, it was like 15 euro to get in basically. Um, but it was a modern-ish looking place where it had like capsule beds, you know, they're like stacked on top of each other with like, it looks kind of like a tour bus type bed or like one of those things that they have in like Japan or something like that. They're like a little mm -hmm. capsule that you stay in, which at first glance, you're like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then you quickly realize when you get in it, you're like, no, this is horrible. This is horrific. Um, and we get there and try to go to bed at like midnight, realizing that this place is on a nightclub, like actually on top of it and and share shares the same space essentially they're owned by the same people so the beds are literally vibrating like just like louder than you can possibly imagine um so it's like okay i'm not i'm not gonna fall asleep i doubt that but i do manage to fall asleep but i'm awoken about an hour later at about one by the sound of a man just yelling in spanish incredibly loudly kicking bashing into the bunks, my bunk. He's right next to my bunk. Um, and I hear that. And then he, then he goes back to his bed and I realize after about like five minutes, like, wow, it smells like really bad in here. I, what, what's, what does that smell? Is that for coming from the bar downstairs? He's in his little capsule, just chain smoking cigarettes. <laughs> like, so he's he's literally he's hotboxing himself <laughs> in his in his bed and then it kind of occurs to me oh this guy's like super fucked up he's not in his right mind he's he's a st he's a functionally he's like doped up he might have been doped up we'll say he might have been he, he might have been on dope for all we know um <laughs> but yeah i was there with another american who was a you know a little bit more like vulnerable than me. She was like a young white girl. Um, and she was like, I don't feel comfortable here. And I agreed. It's not, not that this guy was malicious or going to do anything like violent, but it was more that he was like not in control of his body and his behavior. You know, like I was worried that he was going to like, like stumble up and grab me and like start talking because he was already talking to me. Or he's going to barf on somebody or something like that. So we leave. We find a, somewhere else to go. What time it, is it? It's it's like 3.30 at this point. A.M.? 3.30 A.M. And this is a mid-size, like, middle-class Spanish city. You know, like, kind of charming, but, like, not that amazing in the scheme of, like, 
historical stuff. Did have a cool Roman road, but very much like there's a lot of partying going on. Um, and this was a moment where I had to come to terms with some of my, let's say, romanticism of Europe a little bit, which I, I can, you know, do from time to time. Most of which I find, I think I still stand by the things that they do differently than what we do. Trucks being one of those <laughs> things uh, that they don't, they don't, um, you know, mess around with. Um, but, you know, the celebratory culture, celebration of food, more social, uh, slower pace of life, all this different stuff. Um, but experienced a little bit of the, of the, let's say the, uh, Jungian uh, shadow side of, of that European sort of uh, Epicureanism. Um, and uh, so we're walking out of the hostel. We go about like less than a block and we're still in this kind of like party area. And it's, there are still hundreds of people out this late and we're just like, we just got to go and keep going. And it feels rowdy for sure, but it's, it's not like, um, it's, it's the middle of the night, but so everybody who's out is wasted and we pass by what's essentially a, you know, like a, a shop, a storefront that is, uh, like re recessed from the main walkway, you know, like the streets are, mm -hmm. you walk down the middle of the streets, but it's the sort of, un not, an, not under an awning, but a recessed sort of opening. Yeah. into the building but it's still outdoors yeah, right yeah. and it's functionally on the street on the walks on the pedestrian walkway in the middle of the city and i i hear like first i just hear a, a sound kind of like this i turn to my right it's oh about five feet from me and there are two people just uh just butt-ass naked fucking doggy style right there in the <laughs> in the street in the middle of the city right there like and it was like it was um it was like a flash moment where i was just like i i didn't understand what was going on and uh but it, I, I could only describe it as lynchian <laughs> it was like spanish david lynch moment uh, I've always wanted to describe something as Lynchian and that's as close as it could come to doing so. Cause it was three in the morning. I was like half awake and then it was just like, Oh man, that's, that's really dark. It was really dark. And then we kind of realized like, Oh yeah, we're probably not safe right now. So we, especially with our big backpacks and we hustled over to our next spot and everything was fine. But that was the only moment of like, you know, not good vibes. That was the only bad vibe mm. of the entire trip for the most part. Um, so that was in um, Lugo. Watch out if you go to Lugo, Spain. Um, <laughs> that reminds me once um, me and my roommate in college went and camped on Little Tybee. Yeah. So Tybee is a island beach of Savannah. And then Little Tybee is a wild island. So it's uninhabited. I, I don't know if it's state park or and you can kayak, kayak across like the channel to get there. And then we camped there and we got up in the morning and realized that there's a tent like 30 yards down. And we're like, oh, there's people there. And then this guy is on top of a girl 
<laughs> in his sleeping bag, pumping so fast, <laughs> so fast. Like I, I can't even believe how fast it was. I didn't yeah. like know that sex was done that way. Yeah. <laughs> and mostly, I remember how mortified my roommate was <laughs> when which when, roommate was this when he saw it, Josh. Oh yeah, who was a w- wonderful guy. Uh huh. Oh man. And yeah. I couldn't hear it from there, but I'm sure it sounded like that. Just slapping. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was, I was not upset by the, uh, the act of sex itself, but, um, unlike, unlike you, like typical you're, American, you're <laughs> so, so prudish, <laughs> so puritanical. Um, so, uh, let's see what else. Um, Lots of good vibes all around. Um, we met a few Czech guys. They they were some of the most fun people I encountered on the whole trip. This is in part because of the language barrier a little bit. Their limited English um, made them funnier. <laughs> uh, sure. But one thing I learned, which I discussed with, with a, a British guy there, we had a discussion about this, that um, you know the, the Czech guys like to drink. There's no, there's no getting around it. Um, and, um, I was wondering what, if you think this is similar to, if there's an analog to this in America, when it comes to beer, I think what happened was somebody ordered a dark beer, like a, you know, stout or a amber or brown ale or something like that. And one of the Czech guys made fun of him for it, (laughs) for getting a dark beer. And we're like, what do you mean? Like dark beers are, you know flavorful and strong and this and that and because he was just drinking pilsner the whole time you know that's usually that's most of what's on the menus anyway but um but he explained that like in in czech republic uh like drinking if anything other than a pilsner is considered very feminine mm-hmm. you know like a stout or a or a uh what's the other dark one stout Come on, man. I'm looking at you. Um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember. Um, do you think that that's similar in any way to American beer culture? Um, <clears throat> it's changed so... I feel like it's changed so much here uh-huh. in the past 10 years where now it's all about... The nice Pilsner. Tasting the beer. No, oh. of like getting the the fruity, sour... Right. Like to be a beer guy means yeah. that you know the difference between all the different types and you try yeah. all the different types. Mm-hmm. But in general, yeah, it's probably similar. It's, it's, if you, I don't know, if you're, that's, I, I would say it's probably equivalent to like anything that sounds fruity or flavorful. Yeah. Where you care about tasting, C- yeah, tasting that- good rather than just getting drunk or. Right. Yeah. No, exactly. To me, to me, that's what came to mind. Was and like, it's just any. It'd be like the Bud Light, right. Coors Light, uh, you know, uh, prejudice against craft beer. Right. Yeah. Which was a whole angle that, uh, that that they used in their marketing for a little while. They still while, do, that don't they? Still, I don't know. I haven't I haven't seen a beer commercial in a while, but cool. I, I think so. I mean that's always implicit, right? Yeah. But there were some that were like really what was the one it it was like it was like a blatantly homophobic yeah it was like a guy in a like a a medieval like fairy outfit like right 
tasting the notes of the beer and then there's like these other guys are just like knights or something like that looking yeah. on at him like making fun of him for uh <clears throat> you know tasting the beer absolutely terrified to come across in any way as having uh put any thought into your appearance or your taste or um yeah just well, what you, your preference your preferences like uh yeah put yeah. any iota of of consideration into who you are as a person yeah that would yeah. be hor- horrific for anyone to think that you could do that yeah mortified to never would i ever put on a warm color ever <laughs> ever god right blue or green is far enough right yeah i wouldn't be caught dead in a uh in a in a red shirt. Well, maybe a bright red shirt. Maybe like a yeah. soft orange. No way. No. Uh-uh. <clears throat> God, sometimes <laughs> just looking at a person the way a male male person is dressed just like makes me so angry. Yeah. Just cuz it's like You should say something sometime. Yeah. What the hell are you doing? Wh- yeah. What what do you my question to you is what are you doing with that anger? Why did you buy those shoes? Me? Yeah. Bottling it up. <laughs> yeah. See that's the problem. Loved ones. That's the yeah. problem. That's the, but that's not your fault. But we bottle we bottle a lot up here, Ben. We do. We should be seizing every person who's on an, an e bike and throwing their bike into the Highline Canal. Right. Or at least we should be more. We should be okay with being more confrontational. I think that's something that's that's different totally. about. That's like Americans don't realize about themselves in a way like. Because we have, we know, we're aware of the uh, stereotype of the boisterous American, you know, like that, that's something that I think is enough in pop culture and has been established that it's like, oh yeah, like Americans are obnoxious and loud and rude. But I don't think that's actually the case anymore. No. Like that, especially abroad. We have no. Internally either. We have no function of shame. Mm. No, no sense of social shame. Yeah. Like when someone walks into a coffee shop with a gun, open carry gun on their right. waist, if we had a functioning society, people would be spitting on you. Yeah. You know? Right. And just being like, you're, you're a pussy. Yeah. Like, what are you scared of? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, but yeah, we, we, uh, we're not good with the, um, those confrontational things because so many of the social elements of the social fabric have have withered away we have no idea how to deal with those things absolutely which which is you know if you get into the deeper things about like europe that that is what they have more that we don't yeah you know and it's really hard to say that in a conversation with somebody in america who's casually asking you how was your trip to spain you know without sounding like a dick where you're like well they just have things it's just different there you know or like it's just better you know like I, I don't say that but i also don't go into the lengthy you know type type of analysis that i actually go through when i'm there when i'm thinking about like oh they have a clear sense of like public and private space you know and they or they have um you know more functional uh clear social gatherings that have a purpose and certain um you know like expectations for them we would perceive that as being old-fashioned or as being like uh you know ritualistic in some way or or uh like 
stuffy. But in many cases, the opposite is true. That like having any sort of parameter, like even a very simple parameter to your um, interaction, like or to, to, the, to where you dine, what time you dine, like what type of meal you eat at what type time of day, that makes things simpler in a way that allows you to actually interact with people in a more authentic way. Does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. The struggle is like, I just think just because we're in, have been going through such a moment of upheaval, there's some of that there. There's so much that's been cut loose. And in general, I feel like, the exhaustion for me is like just feeling like I have to make everything from scratch. Mm-hmm. It's like, right. I have to reinvent a whole lifestyle for sure for myself and for my kids. If, if I want them to have that. Yeah. And everything is like, well, <clears throat> I know nothing about this. You know, if I want to go camping or something like Gardening that. Gardening or any of right. that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. No, that's, that's, I know the feeling you're describing um i will say too that having been when go i went into the office today for i which i did last year at my other job and didn't enjoy the obligation but i decided to go back in and then i met two people there and i i'm perfectly aware of this have been aware of this but my social skills have atrophied so so badly i mean okay I mean, just think about how many people I would have interacted with 10 years ago on a daily basis yeah, versus now. For sure. Um, so I feel like I was coming across as weird and awkward. Uh, First of all, I biked in. I came in and changed. And I was like, you know, I had a bunch of stuff. I had my bike and a bunch of gear. I left my sweatpants laying on the bathroom floor, apparently. <laughs> so I come in there later and... And one of the ladies had found them and hung them up there. Mm. My sweaty sweatpants. Gross. I was like, that's horrible. And um, and then I lost my bike gloves. I like... Shit. Dude. Very annoying. I know. My mm. brain. No, I know what you but mean. But it, it was my first day riding to this building, like figuring out the route. I had to get badge access and figure out how to get up there. Right. And then I've never done that, like gone to bike somewhere and then change. So, hey, look, what you're feeling is probably accurate, but that doesn't mean you can't overcome it or that it will. It'll come back. I felt that way going into school last year after six months on Zoom. Mm -hmm. It was very weird to talk to people at work. I think I, inf- I, I unintentionally and accidentally um, misgendered somebody on my first day back in in nice. in person. So that was like, yeah, thought about that for probably two or three weeks after that. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, yeah, I called this guy a dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it comes back quicker than you think. It really does. So well, you just got to we'll keep see. putting yourself in those situations we'll if see. if you want to. You don't have to. Yeah, maybe I'll just become a nasty little freak, crotchety, yeah. a crotchety yard man. Yeah, don't do it. Mm. We knew some of those crotchety yard people. Yeah, 
and they think they probably live in their own little paradise, but to everybody else, they're they're a, a jerk. Yep, it's true. <clears throat> I do scowl at my neighbors with their gigantic six-wheeled truck mm-hmm. and their um, like house on wheels, their their RV thing, mm-hmm. enormous, enormous, enormous thing, and I refuse to give them a wave. You know, just look at them when they drive by. Because they won't drive a vehicle with less than eight cylinders. <laughs> and every person who comes to their house is driving these monster trucks. Yeah. And I don't want them to run over my kids. Yeah. Period. Right, Can we well. have some laws in this country? Come on. <laughs> Regulations. It's not going to happen, man. Yeah, I know. Maybe in some way it will, but it's not not anytime soon. No, it's not going to happen. So I think we all have to. Here I am. I'm going to start preaching here. We all got to be more like the Stoics. You gotta you gotta <laughs> let go of the things you can't control, my guy. Marcus um, Aurelius said. Marcus Aurelius said, after we conquer the entirety of of the European continent, <laughs> then we can. Um, then you need to figure out what you can and can't control. That's the thing that's so ironic to me about it. That's like so hard to believe. It's like this stuff about being chill. <laughs> it's like functionally, it's like just just relax. Everything's going to be fine. Meanwhile, it's like the Ro- this is the Roman Empire we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, it's practical. It's very practical. Um, no, which actually brings me to, uh, to the next... Um, uh, leg of the journey I mean everything at the last couple of days of the Camino were amazing when we finally got to to Santiago de Compostela and uh, there was actually like a, f- a summer solstice festival there where it, basically the extent of it is it's just a bunch of bonfires around the city and everybody drinks and uh, jumps through the fire um, but like little fires it was, it was really fun um, I went to Italy by myself after that and uh, had a certain emphasis that I wanted to kind of focus on. Part of it was that, you know, I've been working on this book for many years that eventually I'll finish it, but I wanted to get a little bit more firsthand uh, information. Primary research. Primary research. You know, soak up the smells and the, and the sounds and the, uh, the tastes of, of, of Italia, Roma. Um, it was about a hundred degrees every day, so that that made it, you know, a little bit less appealing to be outside all day long. Um, but I wanted to focus on two main things, which first was more Ro- ancient Rome, as opposed to medieval Rome or Renaissance Rome, which has been more of the focus in the times that I've been there in the past. And it wasn't like I had a predetermined. Uh, view on that but when i got there i was just like i don't want to go in any churches i just don't have any desire to and th- this is coming from your the resident renaissance this bitch. guy loves church yeah i love church i love the bigger the, the better the when it comes to churches <laughs> yeah usually i'm all about it but this time i said no thanks show me the show me the narthex show me the nave where's the show, nave where's the narthex the where's the axe? are we talking where's ionic the, where's the altar where's the doric columns? where's the doric where's i don't the care 
Yeah. Buttress, double buttress, triple buttress. <laughs> flying. Flying buttress. <laughs> flying buttress, sinking buttress. Big buttress. Swerving buttress. <laughs> um, no, it just, it just, to, to make it esoteric and to bring it back to um, maybe something I was referencing earlier with the kind of symbols and rituals, you know, um, with the exception of the Camino, which does have religious roots in some capacity, I, for one, am not terribly interested right now in in reiterating or in spending any more mental energy focusing on religious symbols, if that makes sense. And mm -hmm. with Renaissance art, you can't get away from them. Mm -hmm. You know, like even if you're looking at Caravaggio, um, part of what is good about his paintings is the way that he was subverting or reimagining those symbols, which had at the time already sort of calcified, you know, yeah. and at, at the height of the Renaissance. But even that, I'm not so much interested right now. I'm not interested in the subversion of religious sim symbolism. Mm -hmm. I'm just, maybe I'm interested in its, its extinguish, extinguishment for the time being. Sound like a futurist. Maybe so. Damn. Did you see any futurismo? I, I don't know if they have. I don't think I did. I don't think they included any futurism in the... So I went to the National Museum of Modern Art, which is like one of the few modern art museums in Rome that you can go to. It's that and the Maxi, um, which I had been in the Maxi before. But this one was really great collection and really cool because they... The way they curated it, it was all mixed together from different time periods. It was not just, you know, delineated by chronology in any way. This room, you know, that room. It was all mixed in together. It was mostly, you know, it was anything from 1800 onward, basically. Probably the Impressionists at the earliest. Um, but it was all mixed in together. And I, and I don't think that they, I think the futurists are, you know, probably by the academy and the curatorial like class excluded, you know, because of what they actually represent in Italian history. Um, you know, th there's something to be said for like examining it, but I don't think they're celebrated anymore, hmm. you know, because yeah. they were affiliated with the fascists. Um, a lot of cool stuff in that museum though. There saw the, uh, you know, it's a couple of Pollocks, um, Rodin, uh, a couple of my favorite Italian artists, uh, Mondri uh, or, uh, Morandi, Giorgio Morandi. Mm. You should check him out. Um, Giacometti. Um, that was neat. Uh, went to Pompeii. Saw the ruins of Pompeii. That was pretty tight. Um, you know, what happened? What happened in Pompeii? It's not there oh, anymore. Oh shit! I want to tell you. I you haven't heard about this, huh? Um, Pompeii's gone, man. Or it was destroyed by a volcano. <gasps> yeah, everybody died instantly. Um, when Mount Vesuvius erupted. I don't even care. That's how numb I am. <laughs> 
it's we hear about a different volcano <laughs> eruption every day it seems oh, it's 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 one. so normalized for people to be obliterated by volcanoes nowadays yep. <laughs> um went to pompeii that was cool went on the appian way old roman road went for a bike ride on there um saw the Argentine caves which is the site of one of you know probably the worst nazi atrocities in uh rome or in italy with the exception of obviously of the holocaust and of of you know that stuff um but the Argentine caves are where um okay so backtracking before that the italian resistance which is something i also wanted to kind of learn more about when i was there italian resistance um anti-fascist uh socialist communists that should be said that that's what the italian resistance was was you're so- talking about socialists and italian communists. resistance their resistance to trump <laughs> the orange man yeah the re- yeah man the it's a base it's it's all late night talk the online shows. warriors mm-hmm. it's the online warriors who stood up to um and called out to ted and cruz clapped back <laughs> exactly and then they were all killed by the nazis <laughs> systematically yeah. um no much higher stakes than that that's that's what you feel and see in those uh sites is real sacrifice real risk danger um death all that stuff so the resistant italian resistance they staged a um a bombing of nazis in central rome basically they filled a wagon full of dynamite and uh you know had a guy crossing the street pushing the cart while a bunch of nazis were crossing the street and boom killed 33 of them in one go um Keep in mind, this is done by the citizen Italian militias um, who are themselves opposed to the reigning fascist Italian government as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, the Nazis retaliate swiftly and uh, systematically. Uh, they take 233 or 330. Wait. What's 33 times 10? 330. 330. 330. 330. 330. 330. 330. 330. 330. 330. 330. 330. 330. 330. 330. 330. 330. 330. 330. Leave them in there. So I basically stumbled onto that site. I had known about it, but I was out going for a bike ride and found it basically. Um, so that was that was uh, you know not in the not, not in the Rick Steves book. I'll say that actually Rick Steves would probably include something like that. He's he's very uh, well researched and gives you good good stuff, not just the tourist touristy stuff. So I wanted my focus to be. Ancient Rome, which I only did a little bit of that, and fascism, right? So Italy, Rome in particular, is the, you know, the the bed of 
American fascism in a lot of ways. It, Mussolini preceded Tr- uh, Trump. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> seriously, though, right? Uh, preceded Hitler. Um, and the playbook of, of, of fascism, of European fascism, was essentially created there. Mm-hmm. And so many of the things that, you know... You said we, American fashion, fascism at first. Did you mean European? Did I? Yeah. What did I say? Which part? Something about American fascism. I said European. Well, at first you said American. Whatever. Just making sure. Um, well, they're the same thing, are they not? No, they're not. Um, but no, my point was actually going to be that, you know, learning more about European fascism, reading a little bit of uh, Umberto Eco while I was there, you know, just having a really cool, chill time sitting in, in cafes <laughs> with a book called How to Spot a Fascist <laughs> open on my on my table. People looking at me like, you got it right in front of your bro. face. He's <laughs> looking around. Like a, like a detective. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but reading this essay of his called Ur Fascism, or like the roots of Ur Fascism, uh, you know, meaning the origins of it, like fascism at its core. Thinking about the overlaps and the similarities and the. Uh, the threads, the common threads, big ones, you know, of course, being uh, political or uh, ideological incoherence. Yeah, that that was something that was like especially true of Mussolini, that he flip flopped his position every other day on, you know, in terms of actual policy and ideology, but was ultimately always rooted in strength and control, you know, like the strength control um, and aesthetic uh, aesthetic valorization of, of something you know it's it's this um, like pagan uh, obsession with like well that that's what that's his words and and he gets into Nazism as well with that with like how deeply pagan a lot of it is um, but I, I actually don't know enough about that to be able to explain it well. Um, but the aesthetic, the aesthetic aspect is is pretty, uh, you know, pretty shocking, pretty jarring. And we we have our own uniforms here. You know, they're not as cool as the, uh, you know, uh, Italian brown shirt uniforms. If you think about like guys storming the Capitol in their their brown, um, yeah. Pun- Punisher t-shirts and. Yeah, brown is too much color for Under Armour shorts. For our fascists. Um, New Balance, white New Balance sneakers. Um, Yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, let's see. Let's complete the picture here. Um, Flag on the sleeve. Flag on the sleeve. What kind of hat are they wearing? Horrible facial hair. Yeah, it's a goatee. It's a black, a gray, or blue hat that probably may have a logo or may not but right. it's just it's just pulled down super low and super right bent. yeah um what is up with that it's such a bad look or or it could be the netted kind yeah the br- flat breathable kind. top right space for your bald head to they breathe. just look like shit basically <laughs> no we have i mean that that's the thing i it seems completely intuitive to me, and that's probably then means don't overthink it, that 
yeah we have the core of uh, uh a really scary stupid like fascist religious um fundamentalist i don't know what uh, it's an amalgamation it's incoherent um core and for the most part now they're pretty harmless but yeah it's just a question of when they would take up an american jihad you know when the ideology gains traction with like you know doing violence um and may i guess maybe it wouldn't necessarily or it doesn't have to but it wouldn't be hard i mean just because the the guns are there and they're not going away and the most of all the 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 worldview is so stupid and out of touch with reality like and it has the the nuclear engine inside of it of like a religious worldview a myst like a a magical worldview which mm -hmm. combines like moral authority with destiny yep and a sense of virtue or i i don't know exactly but a certain way of thinking that you can only think when you have a very when your brain has been sort of warped by a type of theism basically mm -hmm. um and yeah that it's all there and the scariest part to me is more of like the stupidity plus the the weapons that are there for for use whenever whenever the time is right um but part of the, uh, but then the the only wild card to me too is like when does technology actually come in as a strong arm and mm. change the power equation because right now we all know like the presence of technology and is huge and it's like it's the true source of power but it's not really exercised mm. it's used to scrimp pennies what about all, what about all the woke indoctrination on, on Twitter <laughs> and, and social media? Yeah. That's what I mean. I mean, if that's all they're doing, then <laughs> like what they're squandering their power. When the fact is, like, if you had if if you wanted to have a a coup, or like if some tech billionaire wanted to have a coup and successfully did it, um, and then wanted to like overpower a certain population, all they would have to do is say. This is what you're going to do, and if you don't do it, we're turning off your water and your electricity and your internet, and we know we know every single thing about where you are at this moment and where you go every day, and that's that. And it, it would be very easy to control people, mm -hmm. even the, you know, the bad people. <laughs> like, so that's what I don't quite understand is when will that power actually come into it? real effect because at this point it it's it just seems to be more nascent like potential but that all that's what i what i mean by that is the fascist guys are really scary to me until you realize that there's a much bigger power looming over them um that really has not been activated mm -hmm. yet and so you have to wonder if yeah you have some assault weapons in your basement you can't actually do any damage to a any real power with that you can ruin people's lives yeah but that's uh, they're people like you and i who don't matter mm. um you can 
kill each other on the bottom, but like you're never going to you're never going to resist big tech or the government or anything with the guns in your basement. Period. Yeah. Right. They'll just drone strike you. Or they'll just turn off your your internet and then you'll die because you don't know what to do. They'll shadow ban you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that wasn't that wasn't the re- direction you were going, I don't think. But no, it all makes sense. Got I me mean, thinking about the the guys around here. There's there's a lot to be said for those guys. A lot to be desired, I should say. <laughs> um, but it's all right. Uh, they're all right. Yeah, I I don't know. I um. I haven't quite found a way to reconcile you know, the trip in general or any, I, I think that's a kind of the, those two wings of the trip of like the, the Camino and my time in Rome, which, which I had a great time. I, you know, I sp- sure. I spent some time meditating on, on fascism and, uh, uh, you know, empire, but I was still getting that gelato every, every, <laughs> every evening and afternoon. Yeah, I was walking around in my cut, Speedo cut on the beach, <laughs> the Amalfi Coast. I was, yeah. Um, get you, get a little cacio e pepe. Um, but, yeah, the, the two two kind of dueling wings of, of life in general feel like I was able to experience and, and think about both. Or like the, the, like the inherent contradiction or the paradox at the heart of all life, but modern life, especially, which is like, we're still capable of, um, freedom and happiness and tremendous joy and fun, you know, even in the world we live in. And you can, you can create that, that, um, world for yourself, you know, but, but it is kind of like you said, like coming back to the States, after the Camino, I am left once again with this feeling of like, okay, now I have to, if I'm going to do this, like, like you have to create that world from scratch. Like there is no Camino, you know, and not even for Spanish people, like in, in the real world, there's no, there's no path that you can step onto. That is the way that is the path towards happiness and, and, good good vibes you know it's it's a path that you have to create for yourself um you know you wish you had we had better institutional traditional well see that's the thing is i wouldn't even go that far is sure we don't have any institutions or remaining social structures to support like human community and human flourishing in the way that we used to we also don't have those same human institutions that uh, made people miserable and, and, and you could argue led us to the place that we are now in some ways. I'm not saying that it's good to not have those things, but we do find ourselves historically at a moment that is not quite tabula rasa, but there's opportunity. We don't know what is on the other side, but there's opportunity to 
to build back better. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, <laughs> I wish I could have got that out with a straight face. Um, I don't know, but you have to be willing to leave it all behind. You know, like the, the Camino was, um, I, I wrote this down. Maybe I'll write it's, it's cheesy, but some days I was walking away from something. Some days I was walking towards something or I was alternating back and forth as we were, as I was walking. Um, I was literally turning around, going back the other way. <laughs> just, wait, wait, just looking at your map. <laughs> like Mr. Bean uh, on yeah. the, on the, you know. <laughs> no, it's really hard to get lost. There's just uh, arrows pointing you the whole way. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think the big thing for me was leaving teaching and um, leaving behind a, like I said, I, I let go of a lot of those delusions a long time ago. But that doesn't mean I left or or didn't in some way think that education was still important and that it was like the best thing I could be doing with my time and my skill to like you know, help the world, but I'm, you know, I'm, I, I don't think I'm convinced of that anymore either. Sorry. <laughs> there's always music festivals. Yeah, there's always, yep. That's a good way to get, um, a quick, quick hit of vibes. Uh, Whoa. You set your beer on your phone. Shit. That was close, man. You, uh, reading anything, watching anything? Well, I'm holding this here, Kandinsky, concerning the spiritual and art, which I read some blurbs of. And uh, Kandinsky's the kind of freak that I like, you know, just a real nut job. Um, and I, I identify with that. So maybe I'll read this and have something to report. But okay. mm, a bunch of random stuff. Um, I have thoughts about the last season of Project Runway, but... <laughs> They can wait for another episode. I would love to hear that. We'll save that for next week. I'm going to go to the Art Institute of Chicago tomorrow. Try and <clears throat> I'm pretty sure that stays on. Okay. Exhibit will be there. Okay, hang on. All right, happy summer. Over to my house. <laughs>